And we are live. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for coming back to the Digital Green Book Podcast. My name is Whitaker, as you know, and I love putting dynamic, amazing individuals in front of you. I am so honored today to have Miss Tanisha Carr here. I met this young lady when I was up at Black Tech Week Cincinnati, and I've been chasing her down ever since for this interview. <laughs> I'm so honored that you're here today, Tanisha. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you so much. And you haven't been chasing me, girl. Like, don't be talking about you chasing me. What you talking about? Like, I'm too busy to talk to you. Uh <laughs> you do so many amazing and dope things. And I really love that a lot of the spaces that I'm curious about, I find you there, active, engaged. Yeah. And that's phenomenal to me. <laughs> well, you know, I just kind of like, what is this life about, right? Like for me, it's about like community building, like figuring out how to build ecosystems for people that look like me and like think like me. So it's always like the thing that I strive for is like, where can I be that can enrich me and can, I can like grow as a person. I can grow as a founder. I can like I'm always looking for more spaces and I'm always looking to be in the center and to be in a mix of it. And just, you know, when, whenever I run into you, it's always like around these like powerful, incredible black people, usually like black women. And, you know, just those kind of spaces um, is, is why I do the work that I do, you know, just being able to be in, in the ecosystem. So I'm glad to talk to you. I'm glad to talk about blackness and <laughs> seriously, yeah. all of those things, and I'm I'm very, very grateful for those compliments. One of the reasons I really want to talk to you today was about media. Um, as you know, I do a, a lot of different interviews. I'd like to talk to founders, VCs, angels, and just individuals who may look like us and they do really dope things inside of the ecosystem to really show people we're not a monolith and we're capable of so many different things. Yeah. Uh, it comes to media. And the representation of our image and such, that can, it can be empowering and it can also be a super sensitive subject at the same time, uh, especially in 2023 when we're like really trying to put our best foot forward. Uh, we feel like there's been some great campaigns and things out there where we're seeing, ooh, 4C hair and yes, dark skin. <laughs> and we're starting to see those positive things. But yeah. when it comes to having enough outlets to tell your story, I feel like we're still in our infancy in that way. So I think what you have as a black owned independent magazine is like, <laughs> it's, it's so necessary in a time like this. How, how did you make what you've made now at Blanc magazine? Um, you know, it was just frustration really. Like I, I was living in London and I didn't see, as you said, you know, going further back, right? Like I didn't see a representation of myself or people who look like me or anyone I knew uh, growing up in my neighborhood in media. Like I couldn't relate to the Cosby's. Like I couldn't relate to, um, you know, you know, Essence or Ebony. So there was no like middle ground for someone who was kind of like obsessed with the idea of, um, creating images and creating stories and, and using luxury as a background and, 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 and merging that with, 
with our culture, with people who look like us, even though we were like my brothers had all the brands and all the stuff growing up, but we didn't see any of that representation. We didn't see that in media. We didn't see that in fashion magazines on television. And so, you know, I started Blanc, my Trojan horse, um, you know, just straight up out of frustration, like, yo, this is so crazy that we can't celebrate everybody's beauty. Like, I just don't, I just didn't understand that as a, as like a way to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, listen, if given the opportunity, I would have loved to work at a big publication and try to, you know, make changes from the inside, but that wasn't my path. And that's cool because this is dope. This is even better. I got to build my own table. I got to, from its infancy, create something genuine, authentic, and, and, and an actual platform for people who look like me. And so that's what it was all about. It was just trying to figure out how I can, not for myself, for again, contributors and creatives and designers and musicians and just all sorts of artists who don't have a high-end luxury platform to really express themselves. That's what I wanted. I wanted something that I never had. Um, this is so dope. Um, the, the cool thing for me is in this age of social media, there's so many different outlets that you can have to express yourself for the same platform. So we all know how hard it is to get through the IG algorithm. Anybody who's been trying to work on that, even myself, for y'all to have 134,000 followers off of an organically created, independently Black-owned magazine is astronomical. Uh, if y'all aren't following Blanc Magazine, I don't know what you're doing. You need to take a second and follow them. And of course, you can navigate to their native website and explore their shop here. But I just love how dynamic and colorful and represented we are. This is amazing. You know, I just, this it just, it's kind of like, um, I, I, I don't know, you know, social media is in my bag and, but you know, authentic storytelling is. And so I just kind of figured that it would, and, you know, obviously I could um, use more expertise. Like, listen, I'm a founder and I'm like growing every day. And also I learned my business from absolute scratch. Like every single part of my business from printing to distribution to how to create content, to how to build a magazine, I learned myself. And so it's always like, I could always do I could always do more digital, right? I could do all, always do more social, but for me, the the backbone of my entire business is authentic storytelling. And like the fact that people are connecting to that organically or, you know, want to spend the $20 to to buy the the coffee table book or want to like um, take part in our experiential events, that's um at the base of it is all about the storytelling. It's all about the community building. It's all about creating a luxury platform for BIPOC and AAPI and LGBTQA plus people. That is, that's what Blanc is for. It's a completely in inclusive environment. And yeah, like it's, it's black owned and, but it's not a black magazine. Like I just kind of, it's not, it's, it's for all of us. Um, whether you're four or 94, whether you're a size two or a size 24, you should find yourself in my pages and you should be represented there. We should be represented everywhere, yo. Like, this is what the world looks like. It looks like my magazine. It does. Like, if you look on my Instagram, that's what the world looks like. Like, yeah, it is Gucci and it's Fendi, 
but the, but there's also grandmothers and there's also you know uh, breast cancer survivors and there's also you know beautiful 300 pound women who are owning their own and all of it is beautiful all of it is all of us here together so you know, you know what the interesting thing is it's something i've noticed that we uniquely do i think there's a lot of people who do this but i think it's an inherent in black women um, I saw a, it was either real or a TikTok the other day where I think it was a family and they, they had a little grandbaby and they were making the grandbaby like run to different family members to see which one was the favorite family member of the grandchild. And one person got chose absolutely last out of like 12 people. But the 11th person was a black woman and she reached over and hugged the other grandma to make her feel included. So she didn't feel like she was last. And I mentioned that because I think even with what you've done here with your magazine, this is a black owned magazine. You can put whatever you want in here. Yeah. But as black women natively, we want everyone to feel included. It's not this exclusionary sense or field that we've put up. It's literally, I'm not making this thing to exclude everyone else. I just noticed that in other spaces, I'm not represented. So I'm going to make something so everyone feels included yes i think that's you know like look don't um be mistaken like you know 70 percent of the content is is black folks in there like we we are highly represented in this jam but (laughs) you know make no mistake but yes it's it's about creating this completely inclusive environment right like I didn't want to make something that that made um, anyone feel like I felt growing up. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make something that everyone could see themselves in. And you know, it's it's sometimes it's hard to do that, but it's also it's actually quite easy. It's it's quite easy to put you know my eighty nine year old grandmother in Mark Jacobs runway and shoe her at a family barbecue. That's quite easy to do. It, it feels like to me, it's, it's actually difficult if you think about it. It's difficult to exclude people because you have to keep it in your head that you specifically don't want to include anyone. So like when I, when I like, when we do model stuff, I'm like, send me everybody, send me all the packages, send me the 60 year old women, send me everybody. And then we make the stories. It's not like, we can't have, and I've heard this, I've heard this, I've heard this in my career. We have, you know, we already have a black model story. We can't have two black model stories. And like, listen, when I, like back in the day, 10, 15 years ago, when I was shooting in London, I heard all the time that, you know, we can't have trans people on the cover. We can't have plus size models. All the stuff that people are doing now, they didn't do before when it made, it, when it made sense to me. So I built Blanc because... I wanted to give everyone a space, not just black women, not just black people. And I think I've I think I've done that. I think everyone will find themselves here. So what's really cool about it is that it goes beyond this. You mentioned community events earlier. So it's just creating this social space where people come to consume your amazing content. What does an uh, what does a community event look like for your magazine, and what sort of activations or things do you do when you have events? Um, so I um, 
am creating a new vertical. I've already created it. Um, the uh, name of it is Blanc Space. So uh, it's the idea of a physical representation of fashion, art, and music colliding. Um, in these spaces, it will be LGBTQ friendly. It's about celebrating and discovering emerging artists. You know, it depends on, on what it is we do. It can be um, as simple as uh, a music event. It could be as large as a culture house that has a very multifaceted, um, like again, fashion, art, music, um, mm -hmm. things going on all at the same time. Um, it, it, it can be anything like we, I wanted to make it so fluid that the whole point of it is that community is going to be built wherever we create these spaces. So, um, yeah. Where's your hub? Where are you based out of? As um, far we're based, we're based in New York. Okay. New York. <laughs> so I know there's a lot of dope spaces you can activate up there. Um, as we know, there's a lot of different we outside type activities going on now that yeah. people are throwing It's not them. just that, like even at, even if you think about it, like spaces like South by like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to have like a space that's just for us. That's just like, it's completely inclusive, but it's a space where we can really get together and really like, I go to so many, and, and I know you do too, you go to so many like conventions and so many like weeks and so many, like I I feel more fulfilled when I go to places where I feel like there's a community aspect of it. That's when I, I feel really fulfilled when I'm like really engaged in whatever event I'm at. Like, you know, like I go to so many dinners and so many events, but the ones that, that, that kind of have those kind of components that really make you feel that you are part of a space, that's where I feel fulfilled. So I want to build those kind of spaces. So whether it is at a South by or at an Art Basel, I want us to make sure we have these spaces available for us. Like they're not really there, really. They're like, you know, their brands have events and some a few people have events, but not really this kind of space. So well, I'm looking forward to seeing you deploy this because yeah. I, I think that when I talk amongst my friends or my colleagues, that is what we're seeking. You know, everyone's in work mode most of the time, mm -hmm. grind mode, trying to manifest their dreams. You mentioned you're a founder. You know what the founder hustle and shuffle is like. Yeah. Uh, but when we do slip away for recreation or just want somewhere restorative to go, there's very few spaces. Like I happen to be home in my hometown of Jacksonville, Florida now. And I've taken up the mantle of like working with a few different organizations to build up the tech ecosystem here. And it is dry, honey. It is dry. <laughs> so um, going out and putting my hands on people in those different spaces, like, okay, yeah. well, how do y'all engage? How do y'all meet up? What do y'all do? Who do you talk to? Everybody's right. in their house. They in their house. Yes. So and see, this, this is the problem, you know? Like, you just kind of, it's like, it's a really bad thing for entrepreneurs because, you know, for the past year, I've been working with Inc. Aside from, uh owning Blanc and, and running my own magazine. I also am a, a contributing editor at Inc. Magazine, where I have a, a channel on the website called All the Hats, and it focuses on the journey of Black women entrepreneurs. Um, I noticed that, like, even for myself, it always, like, for the longest time, for the past few years, it really has felt like being 
like on a rowboat in the middle of the ocean, just like completely isolated. Now I'm like telling people that I need to have in-person meetings. Like I need to meet people in person now because of how isolating it. And listen, I'm a recluse. I love being by myself. I love it. I like, I love it. I can like do my work and like, I love it. But I, I feel like I thrive in community. I thrive mm-hmm. around like-minded people. And if I can just build those kind of spaces um, in fashion, um, art, and culture, because like, especially in fashion spaces, they don't really have those kind of authentic community like environments. And so mm-hmm. if I can figure out how to like really make those, I think I'll be successful. And I mean, we need them. Like, it's not just you know, entrepreneurs need them. Uh, creatives need them. Artists need other artists. You know, artists need to feel inspired. Like how artists are inspired by looking at other art. You know, like musicians are inspired by listening to music. It's the same thing. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that these spaces will be a really good way to, you know, build community with other creatives, you know? I mean, you when you were speaking on that, this young lady, Lori, just said everything you just said. She feels very lonely working remote and she yeah. wants to connect with other creatives. And D.C., I knew I lived in D.C. almost 10 years ago. Um, I, I sought out things like U Street and I'm looking for the culture and the movers and the shakers. And even then it was still unless you went to a specific event, it started getting a little isolated like you have mm. to find that underground and put your finger on that pulse. I know I would love to collaborate with you in helping create some of those spaces because we, it's dry. It's, it's dry. <laughs> Ooh, Jackson. Where, where? Jacksonville? Jacksonville, Florida. And not just there. Uh, my co-founders and I are spread out across multiple cities. I know we'll be doing a few activations in March in Miami. Oh, um, DC in the summertime, um, looking at Philadelphia in May and Jacksonville at some point. Yes. So what I'm spending the the front of the year doing is reaching out, talking to people in the community, trying to be present, have in-person meetings, Um, Zoom, StreamYard, virtual meetings. I mean, they help because at least you can see someone's face and their facial expressions. Yeah. but I'm a pull up on you type of person. So. <laughs> Me yeah, too. Well, let's, I really, let's I like a good phone call. I like a good in-person coffee. I really feel like just feeling someone's energy in person is like so, um, it's like almost spiritual these days, really. Um, you know, even like with my clients, they're kind of like, I'm like, let's meet in person. Let's like, let's see each other. Let's talk. And, and you know, it's uh like having having spaces is is like the next important thing for me. Like figuring out how we can really build community and like what what does it mean, right? Like what does it mean to like really build community? Like what was community like for you growing up? Like that's let Ooh. me ask you that. I probably and an, am an atypical case to be honest. Um, I take care of my dad full time. So I was very much an inside of the house kid, like just got done. He's we I take care of him. So he's here with me. I've been taking care of him since I was nine. So I didn't do too many social activities, very bookish, very nerdish. So my happy place was school. 
um, using my brain power, being industrious, working, things of that nature. Uh, and then I went into nursing, did that for 13 years. And that's very insular as well. Uh, the type of nursing I did, ICU nursing. So I'm in my room. I got all my drips in my lines, taking care of my patient. Long as they good, I'm good. And then now transitioning into tech, this is the most open that I've had to be in a long time. Um, so I'm, I'm finding myself inside that space. So that's a great question, but I guess it would be my fan. It would be my mom, my dad, my brother, and then any individuals outside of that space. Church, there was church Mm -hmm. growing up, Um, but very, very much wallflower, very reclusive. Yes, right. (laughs) For me, for me, like growing up, community was like I grew up in in South Philly, like 24th and Tasker in the 90s when Philly was known as Philadelphia. And, you know, community was um, was like violent a lot. It was it was um, scary, but it was also safe, like. Mm-hmm. Even through all of the violence and all, I still felt safe because, mm. yo, everybody knew me. Everybody knew my family. Everybody knew. Everyone knew. Like, you're sitting on the porch, you're getting your hair braided, and you knew everybody that walked past. It was mm. that, like, that sense of belonging. Like, where, and you know how it's, Philly is like that anyway. Like you say, oh, where are you from? You're like, oh, I'm from 24, from Tianska. And you know, you, it's just, that's what I kind of want to build. I want to build that, that space, that like safety net, that like safety for us where um, even in the turmoil of what the world is, you can come into this space. And it, it may seem like it's a, a silly thing to like, to hold up like fashion art, but no, like fashion art and music, that's the intersection of culture. That's what makes culture. So like you come into these spaces and you feel safe as you are, exactly as you are right now. No, no different, no wanting to change. You are accepted as you are right now. And that's kind of what Blanc space is. That's what Blanc is. That's what these pages are. That's what these experiences are. That's what this content is. That's what that's what everything is. It's just like complete and total ex- acceptance of everyone. Um, you know that that's tech too. <laughs> is it? Every component of science, technology, engineering, and math is right now interceding and some would say clashing with community because there's this, there's this interesting phenomenon called uncanny valley. That is how close can science and AI get to the human experience and that that perceivable difference between the two is the uncanny valley. Like if you had a robot and you had a human the difference between you being able to distinguish the two is that valley. And now with more AI, with more just everything's at your fingertips, you can order a package and it's at your house faster than probably you could have gone to the grocery store or you can have something like chat GPT and have all the questions of your mind. Everything you just described is tech in a way because what 
the NFT boom was about, what crypto was about, what, what a lot of these things are about is a sense of community and belonging. Like you can't really sell an NFT if you don't have a robust community behind you. You can make a piece of digital art, but it won't sell unless you have people waiting to buy it. Right. Um, the same is true of a magazine. Like if you have a strong audience, they will buy your product. So it's almost like in our mind, we separate all these things as though they're different phenomenon or different entities, but it's all the same. If you have people who believe in you, you can do anything. You move mountains. And to be able to curate that, that physical sense of belonging or that physical space, I really think that's why the metaverse boomed so hard during the pandemic because people yeah. couldn't get outside, but they wanted to virtually feel like they were somewhere else. So for me being in tech and seeing how everyone is now trying to pilot all these different initiatives surrounding this, but that some people might be struggling a little bit more because they don't have a robust community is is so fascinating to me. So I bring that up to say, I see you at a lot of tech events. What is your sort of angle in tech or do you have one? Are you just, that's just stuff you're curious in or? Um, <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a baby here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I um I don't really I, I I can't say I don't care about tech. Yeah, I can say whatever I want. Listen, um, it's not that I don't care about tech. That's not what it is. Um, I am curious about um what our community is curious about. I am um trying to you know tech is the next frontier for Black people. It's uh you know it's a space where we can do what we want because all the rules haven't been written yet. And so um, I'm excited by that. And I'm, and I'm trying to, but you know, like, I don't care about no crypto. No, listen, listen, I'm curious. <laughs> I feel you though. I mean, I'm curious about it. And obviously like, because of um, Inc. Magazine, I am, you know, all entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship is, you know, what we're, what is our focus, but I, um, it's for me, it's just like, what's, what are the new things that are driving us? What are the new things that, that we're trying to, you know, share and figure out and be a part of? And, and, you know, for, for black people, that's tech, like that's the next frontier for us. So, um, so that's why I'm always there. Did you notice when you first got into this journey, well, what was what was the hot button then? If it's tech now, what what was what was it when you were first coming in where we were congregating or pushing? Um, um, yeah, before it was tech. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just trying to go to wherever we were or wherever um, we should be, uh, really. So. Um, you know, I was always going to different art spaces and music spaces. And um, I think like tech was just the next, it's just the next thing, right? Um, I will say that for all of my lack of understanding of the digital space and the tech space, um, I do know it's a chance for us to, to really grow and to really own something. And, and I don't know if we, I don't know if we've really had that kind of opportunity before to like really like claim ownership in a space um, 
that isn't filled with um, kind of all of the age old systemic racism that keeps us out of other industries and other, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, think that's why yeah. I'm obsessed with it. I really yeah. do think that's why I'm obsessed with it. There, those things are definitely present, especially as I've been doing more interviews with v venture capitalists and angel investors and founders and understanding the funding gap, because it's, it's very hard, especially in a space that can be considered expensive like tech, if you don't have the proper funding. And when you're coming from a historically disadvantaged community and you're trying to make your dreams manifest, they're like, bootstrap it. We want to just see you get it out the mud and off of, off of the level of effort that you exert, you should be able to make it. Like, <laughs> this hard drive still costs $15,000. Like, you still got to, somebody still got to buy that. Um, so it's been very interesting watching that dynamic. You know, we're some of the most tenacious people I've ever met in my entire life. And watching those things sort of shift has been interesting. Um, like founder funder VC metrics is like less than 1.3% of black people get startup funds. And then like less than 0.4% of those are women or people who identify differently. So I want to see that ecosystem change a bit, but how that parallels to other black spaces and other places where we show up and have representation is that it's the, it's the undercurrent is the unspoken thing of we show up, the stuff we're doing looks the coolest. So all eyes are on us, but the, the support um, we want, we want to see the, the energy match the interest sort of. Right, sort of right. like so I, I would love to see over time, those things shift a little bit. Cause I'm, I'm relatively new to the space, I would say. Um, but that's, that's really a curious passion of mine personally. Hmm. So you describe yourself as a founder and that's uh, directly in relation to your magazine. What sort of things have you noticed as a founder that you've had to overcome that you think might parallel to other founder stories? Oh, well, you know, my my story as a founder is is an old story, oldest time. Um, you know, uh, roadblocks at every every step from financing to uh, lack of opportunities to getting opportunities but being paid less than um, all of my counterparts. Um, you know, it's I'm tired of talking about the struggle, if I'm honest, though. But it's just because like it's so many like so many founders of of, you know, so many women founders, so many founders generally have such a hard time, especially when you're doing something or trying to carve a space that hasn't existed uh, for uh, people that look like you or you're just carving a new space in general. It's hard, right? It's hard to like figure out how to do something when you don't have access or resources. So um, my journey isn't, you know, it's it's been tough, but the the part of it um, that has been um, exciting is constantly getting proof that I'm on the right path. You know, it's, you know, yeah, you make more money and yeah, the clients are happy and you sell more magazines, but 
you know, working directly with creatives and you see their careers growing before your eyes or giving them like 10 pages and they just like cry over the opportunity because it's an opportunity. Because I know as a photographer, I know what 10 pages, I know what what getting an editorial in print means. Um, you know, that is what makes the journey worth it. That's what makes um, all of the figuring out that I've had to do over the past 10 years um, made it worth it, you know? Um, so it's, I don't think it's been, it's been really, really hard. It's been really, really hard, but it's also been awesome. I've had, I've had the opportunity to travel the world. I like, you know, meet, you know, the biggest, best talents in all of fashion and kind of have all these exciting things happen, which is really cool. It's really cool. And it's, it makes working 12 hour days, six, seven days a week, building something that is like almost impossible and makes it worth it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not the struggle. It's the, it's the triumph for me that makes it, uh, makes it something we're talking about, you know? Those two things, those two things specifically, because I think people, most people would agree with that sentiment. They're like, we're tired of talking about the struggle, but and people are tired of hearing about the struggle too. So I definitely echo those sentiments. <laughs> I do. I definitely do. Cause it's like, dang, I just want to focus on the, the growth and the beauty and the work of it. It's like, I do. It's like real hard. Right. But it's so much dope stuff happening to me too. So <laughs> It's like it's so much dope stuff and so much like proof that I'm on the right path and proof that like this is, um, you know, this is something that's supposed to be here. I get those uh, those um, confirmations every day mm-hmm. and those confirmations outweigh the setbacks that I also get a lot. Like I also get a lot, have a lot of setbacks because this is the, this is the, like I'm learning how to do something that, you know, um, that I've never done before. And Mm -hmm. I'm learning to do it every single day to, with the aim of being successful. And so I mess up all the time and there's a lot of setbacks, but I can't, I can't focus on that. I can't like the journey for me is, is the, the progress yeah it's the beauty of what what we're making here you know so touch on your hours because i heard even at this level of success you said 12 hour days hold on now yeah. <laughs> what is what no, I, feel wild. Wild. I wake up real early yeah uh <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm, I'm what's like, your schedule like most people do want to know um i'm up at five um i uh you know, I also have a two and a half year old, so I um, I spend a lot of time with her. Um, but it can be anything, it, and it's from day to day, it changes. It changes from like me having you know ten Zoom meetings in a day, or me being on set for doing our cover shoot, or you know, a brand like. Chanel will invite me to a show to attend because they're one of my partners and all of those things could have happened in the span of three days. Um, But it is like, it is like 12, 14 hour days 
Um, I'm not, I used to be real proud of that though. I used to be like, um, oh yeah, I, I used to send emails at like three, four o'clock in the morning. Like, you know, I'm dope. I'm working all the time. But, <laughs> but I, I'm realizing really recently that it's kind of ridiculous to be like that. And it's, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to focus now on expanding my team and kind of, I'm a little bit of a control freak and I, and I need to like do everything, um, myself, but I'm only one person. So I'm, but I work a lot. I work a lot of hours and for the most part, I love working. I love like researching and discovering new artists and, you know, finding this fantastic photographer in the middle of nowhere and saying, bro, you're fantastic. I'm going to hook you up. Let's do a beautiful shoot. I will get you everything you need. All you need to do is just shoot and we'll publish it. And you get a little bit of money. And those, and, you know, if that is what my I spend 12 hours doing, then I feel fulfilled. So, amazing. so yeah, I work a lot. <laughs> That's the founder journey, though, because especially yeah. when you're building something at the beginning, it's going to be some hours. It's going to be some sleepless nights. And I've been having a lot of conversations with founders about work-life balance and if that's a a pipe dream, a misconception or something you you try to cobble in where you can, especially when it's more than just you, you like you have a baby, like yeah. 12-hour days might not be everything all the time, but yeah. those, those, those practical conversations. Yeah. I mean, what I've been doing recently is like doing these um, like power spaces in my day so like i'll work from like 5 a.m to like 8 real hard like real focused <laughs> like real you know like real aggressively <laughs> and then i'll like stop and regroup and have baby time and you know go to the gym and you know, so I'll have like an hour and a half or two hours. And I do that during the day. So it's not like I'm working like 12 hours straight sitting at a laptop, but I am on from like 5 a.m. to like maybe 7 p.m. And that started, that's how I created a work-life balance. Listen, it needs to be better. It needs to be better for sure. It needs to be better than it is now. But like those little power pockets of like working super hard and then like having like an hour, an hour and a half or two hours where I like decompress and do mom stuff and put a load of laundry in or, you know, it, it really it really helped me to to kind of have some kind of balance. Because it was wild. It was wild at first. It was wild. And I'm sure that's going to be an ever-changing thing, especially seasonally mm -hmm. when certain events are coming up. I think that's what uh, we're in our season right now with events coming up. It's like, ah, crazy long days, just trying to make sure everything goes off without a hitch. But no, I really appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of spaces you curate and create um, because it's really necessary I know a lot of dope artists inside this space that do alternative things. So if you need people sent your way, I can definitely do that as well. That's um, wonderful for sure. Awesome sauce. Yeah, I got it. Let me send over a PDF because I know so many creative people. And I think especially in times like this where there's such a heavy focus on the hard technical sciences where the creatives get overlooked sometimes. And that's a that's a... 
this little sad moment for me because I'm like, man, you make such beautiful music or you draw so beautifully and everyone's focused on this computer over here. <laughs> you yeah, need your yeah. hand too. Yes. But no, I, I really appreciate this conversation today. Um, maybe even make a landing page or a funnel on Blanc Magazine for creatives re looking to reach out. That might be a great funnel too. Um, well, you can, there is a submit um, section on the website. Um, it'll, if you click on that, it'll tell you like, if you're an artist or a photographer, exactly how to submit to us. You can also send your work or just say, hey, to submit at blancmagazine.com. And someone like we get a lot of emails, but we always mm -hmm. uh, respond if there's interest or if there's something that aligns. But you can just look on the website and it'll tell you exactly how to reach out to us. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. So oh, you're gonna get a you're gonna get more emails than you ever got in your life before. <laughs> yeah, no, cool. We're that's what we're looking for. We're looking for new artists, we're looking for emerging talents to support and give a platform to. So please, please email us for sure. All right, y'all. So if you're listening, tag your creative friends below, tag individuals who are looking to have that kind of exposure, especially if they feel like they don't fit the standard or um the cookie cutter. A representation of what's typically out there. They're looking for diversity. So I think that's a beautiful thing. And thank mm -hmm. you so much, Tanisha. I'm I'm looking forward thank to see what you. we run into each other at next. I know, right? I'm sure we're gonna run into each other at South by. Yeah, I want to do South by Southwest so badly. I, all the things. I want to do all the things I did last year, plus more things that I did not do yet. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we'll definitely run into each other. Thank you so much for uh giving me the space. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Have a great time, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Yay. Bye.